Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11 we go until 2, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., I guess I should clarify. Right here, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. It is a rainy Wednesday. However, there is action. So I'm calling it McKee's Revenge. As we've talked about, Governor McKee did not like those homeless advocates crashing his... <clears throat> tree lighting ceremony at the state house so earlier this morning he sent his staffers out there and telling the people now we're up there last week i had the video posted on the website petro.com and now they are drawing a line in the sand telling the people that are camping out there you have until nine o'clock friday to get lost you must vacate the state house grounds you're provided with a bed, shelter, transportation, blah, blah, blah. Personal possessions must be removed. State house in the next 48 hours. Now, what's also interesting is as they're informing the individuals up there, all persons camping, sleeping, must vacate state house grounds 48 hours. Issuance of this notice. Camping and sleeping overnight at the state house grounds is prohibited. Be advised, pursuant to Rhode Island general laws, any violation may result in the violator being subject to fine in or arrest. State house grounds may be cleared of any violator within 48 hours. Issuing of this notice. But the bottom line is they never should have been allowed there in the first place. So now Governor McKee is creating quite the public relations nightmare for himself. Now, as I've told you, we were there last week. I will have coverage up there probably tomorrow and then definitely Friday morning. But you go back to last fall. They never should have been allowed there. When the state police and the Capitol Police stepped in to tell these individuals that were there, hey, you can't be here, it, it shouldn't have been allowed. He made the mistake by allowing them to set up shop in the first place. And by doing that now, you know, look at that. So they're like, hey, what do you mean? What do you mean we can't be here? Well, they were never supposed to be allowed to be there. It was Governor McKee bowing to the pressure of the advocates. So now what are they going to find? Well, as I've talked about, see, now look at this, how oh, we'll, we'll put you in a shelter and we have transportation and we'll store your things and blah, blah, blah. Folks, do you hear any element of where these individuals have to do anything for themselves and as i've i've also as i discovered and learned and reported on last week many of these individuals they're they're not homeless of anything they're protesters is what they are they're homeless advocates advocates for the homeless or the unhoused is maybe a better way now again someone may say no one wants to but they have demands and now Governor McKee and his staff are just at the whim of their demands. So now this is also dangerous because they're really turning this into a showdown. Um, I'm already going to question. I would have had people trying to say, figure out who they are, privately trying to figure out, is there a way that we could 
move you. We have a place for you right now. We have a bus. Uh, apparently, they're offering transportation. But now they're drawing a line. So this is the McKee line in the sand. Now, why do I think that he's not going to hold hold up to it? It's very dangerous. Now, keep in mind, Governor McKee is now doing this now that he's got the four years. It can be difficult when someone feels, I have the state police at my disposal. I have the Capitol Police at my disposal. Um, you know, let's go back to, I remember being on the radio during the smoke shop raid in Westerly. Governor, Governor Kachiri was out of town. He was uh, visiting family in Ohio. He issued the directive. The head of the state police at that time, Colonel Stephen Perry, I believe it later came out in testimony that he was attending a golf tournament at War Country Club. But anyone that saw that uh, in the video of that, that became a national story with the Narragansett Indian tribe started fighting with the state police and they had dogs and it was a big ruckus and a huge scene. And again, it, 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 in situations like that, it doesn't matter if you're in the right. The question is just, you know, the optics of it looked, that was, uh, that was, that was bad. There was an, it was an incredible story to cover, but that was, um, it was a bad look. And then Governor Kachiri had to deal with that. There was a lot of fallout from that. State police took a big whacking on that. When you can, he wanted that, that smoke shop did open illegally and they wanted to shut the smoke shop. But how you go about it, where they went in very aggressively and state police again with the dogs. And then, you know, there is still video of them fighting with the members of the Narragansett Indian tribe and the Narragansett Indian tribe are fighting back. And I mean, that was just like a complete melee. So you want to avoid situations like that. And I, you know, I think at the time, Governor Kachiri thought that, you know, have the state police go down there and show a force and they're going to force them to close it. But I don't think that, you know, there's no way I don't think they anticipated it would turn into this. So with Governor McKee now, okay, they're there and we're going to find a place for them and blah, blah, blah. But then they charged in to his tree lighting ceremony he didn't like that that was number one number two then you have the channel 10 report where you have needles and syringes around the ground then you also have human feces and waste around there now they 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 did try to clean it up a little bit but the amount of trash that the crowd um kind of accumulates in the course of just a 24 to 48 hour period it's it's a lot let alone on a rainy day like like today so no they don't belong there they never belong there this goes back to what i had said which is you're not supposed to it's like there's there's a law that you can't camp out overnight at the rhode island state house where governor mckee though because it was a politician a state senator because it was someone running for office the state police were right when they first went to last fall. They first went to evict them and tell them, no, no, you can't camp overnight here. They made a phone call, and then Governor McKee opened up the floodgates. Now, that was the, you know, he was fulfilling the term of Governor Raimondo, and then he had not been elected. So now that he's elected... And the fact that it's it's a it's a problem. They're not going anywhere. They like the attention. Someone donated all these. They're, you know, pretty decent tents. Again, I I saw it firsthand with the the video and so forth. And and now, it's becoming a problem. With it's, it not only looks bad. It 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 smells bad. There's like I said, you know, now you have drug use. It's 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 an eyesore it's terrible and it shouldn't be there so now he's going to have to try to go through the pr move of trying to get them out of there so i believe they're going to be dug in i believe that monday morning friday morning at nine o'clock so the eviction notice is 48 hours they're trying to move these people into shelters but now the problem is now you have protesters the morning thing is tough as well because it shouldn't have been a morning thing um because now 
you have people that could say, I'm here protesting, and now they want to stay there during the course of the day. So now it could build into Friday night um, and whether or not, you know, when are they going to take action? When are they going to evict them? Um, granted, it's rolling into a weekend, but this is um, uh, uh, Governor McKee, you know, the, the, it, it is, this is someone who's supposed to be able to figure it out. It's not that tough. I mean, come on. You're not talking about huge amounts of people. They save, say 500 people. You have people around the state that are camping out. They have been camping out. They let them camp out. Now they, they realize it looks bad. They know the way, the way it looks. And the homeless advocates keep making more demands. I come back to, you know, this is, I'm not sure what these people have been doing. That should have been, you have to track who these individuals are. Uh, none of these people are working. And, and the, what Governor McKee doesn't realize is the more he gives them things, they become more reliant. Look at the demands they're making. I want this. I want that. I don't want to go to a shelter because then couples are separated. I have a pet. I have drugs. I have a weapon. They don't let me bring booze in. They make me leave with all my belongings. You know, if you're traveling around with your belongings... Well, now you have to find a place to wash your clothes. You need to find a place to shower. Now you, you know, now it's lunchtime. You have to go to where they offer free food. Then in the afternoon, I mean, it's, it is, I can understand where being unhoused is like a full-time job because every meal you have to, it's not like you wander into the kitchen. You have to go to the place where they're offering free food. Then maybe you have to use a facility. What if you're under the weather? Then you have to find another place. Then you're carrying all your stuff with you. I mean, it would get old so fast. But as I have talked about, many of these individuals, it's the McKee people have failed. These are not, quote, homeless. They're individuals who are demanding free housing. They, As I mentioned, they liked the hotel situation. They liked the Nilo Hotel, the homeless hotel. They had their own room. They would keep all their things in the room. Uh, room service it was the same room wait till the cleaning staff get out bed turned over turned up they liked you know as some of the homeless people told me this is like being on vacation to them it's like being at a luxury hotel they go for a walk let the people clean up the room and then they just start what do they do they go to lunch smoke some cigarettes now it's time for a nap get up get some free coffee find some food for free dinner, Get a, use a food voucher to get some free dinner, use a clothing voucher, maybe get some, do a little shopping, um, come back, maybe use one of the food vouchers, get a little dessert after dinner, then hit the liquor store, and then let the party begin. And it's, it's like a nighttime party because no one's working the next day. It's like they're forever on vacation. Um, go be head back to the hotel, and then it just, that starts to become the routine. Get up, go to the free breakfast, free coffee, have a cigarette, go for a stroll, uh, come back to the room, shower, get dressed for the day, then leave so then those people can clean up your room, uh, saunter over for the free lunch, take a nap, uh, do a little shopping with clothing vouchers in the afternoon, come back maybe have a drink maybe have a cigarette go for a walk and then it's time for the free dinner and then after dinner hit the liquor store maybe stop panhandle a little bit hit the liquor store maybe get some weed and then the party nightly party begins so you know when you provide that to people for november december january february march five months and then tell them nope you're on your own, April through October. They say, all right, I'm going to find it, use a tent, and I'll be back here in November. You know, they're, they're no different than the people, you know, the people that do Florida six months in a day who then uh, head south. By then, they've made it through the wintertime. And then, you know, May, 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 April has some nice days, but it's really May through October. Your time is your own. Maybe take the bus to the free bus to the beach. They all have free bus passes lounge a little bit 
maybe pack up your stuff and go to a campground down in the southern part of the state where there are some and then it's easier access to the beach area and uh and you, you know you're living a life of leisure so this is these are the unhoused that governor mckee is setting them up does let me ask you does anywhere does that sound like anyone's looking for a job does that sound like there's any incentive for these people to find full-time employment doesn't sound that way it sounds like we're creating what are we creating we're creating habits for them is what we're creating for crying out loud again but mckee's revenge so now he says well we're going to enforce that you can't sleep out at the state house yeah except the problem is they have been sleeping out at the state house so watch now some lawyers gonna i like these people saying hey you can't evict them from their home they're not living in a home they're in a tent on concrete on smith hill in front of the state house that's not you're not evicting someone from their home but they they've allowed it so you watch now they could try probably someone some legal person will represent them try to get an injunction get it stopped and now governor mckee can't get out of his own way um has a has a problem on his hands but it, it is it never should have been allowed in the first place and now they're playing catch up folks it's wednesday dan mcgowan of the boston globe is going to join me talk about this story much more plus what a disastrous night in georgia talk about a winnable seat you know i i knew i'd said early on herschel walker is not a good candidate and he was not a good candidate and he took on a lot of water and you're talking about a republican governor and a republican secretary of state and a state that was red that's now a six-year term that senate seat six-year term and the democrats now have a very healthy lead in congress not good not good in any way 51 to 49 what a winnable election with the right candidate that that could have been so the nightmare just continues oh terrible um all right much more ahead on this wednesday with john DePietro. it's getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401 942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service matthews oil company 401-942-7500 folks you are listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website petro.com joining us right now he is a columnist with the boston globe it is our friend dan mcgowan and dan i'd like to start off with uh, one of your colleagues alexa i believe wrote a, a good piece on this warming station that they're trying to get started the mckee administration in the cranston street armory i'm i'm a little uh, I, I like the way he won't answer questions. You know, they're having a meeting and they don't explain. Why don't you use more of this place? It's enormous. They're all just going to be in one area. Um, but um, it's it's pretty uh, fascinating to watch how this homeless problem or unhoused, whatever we're calling it, um, is, is playing out with the McKee administration right now. Yeah, it's the second year in a row where this is, you know, kind of the, the topic right around the holidays. Um, obviously, it always becomes an issue when it's a little bit colder and, uh, you know, and, and, and certainly in the last, you know, last year it was kind of treated in some ways, I think, as a little bit of a political stunt, right? Because right. it was the, the Matt Brown and the, you know, the progressives that kind of, you know, uh, did that. I mean, this time around, you're, you're, there's no question, anyone who drives around Rhode Island, particularly in Providence, you are yeah. seeing more of these kind of 
uh, homeless kind of camps and campments yep. pop up. Um, and this is obviously the most high profile one. It is fascinating to see how the the administration, you know, is is handling it. It's like they didn't. It, it is almost like and unfortunately this is you know sort of the way it's not it's, it's in some ways not a surprise with the governor last year he did have every right to kind of treat it as a political stunt and this year it is less of a political stunt i think um but they're almost in the same way kind of struggling caught flat-footed in terms of ways to address it. i mean as you and i speak they're kind of handing out i guess um like eviction notices over yes, there. Yes, to be up uh, what Friday morning by nine o'clock. Yeah, and so they've got you know they, they're they're trying to figure this all out. I mean, look, it's a difficult situation. You see through um, Alexa's reporting on you know trying to turn the Cranston Street Armory into a warming station. You know, they're struggling to find the kinds of providers, you know, the, the nonprofits basically that can even, that are even want to do this. Uh, and so, you know, it's a multifaceted approach and it is, look, it's also a population that is, that's really hard to deal with. You know, you, you again, I'm, I'm only going off of some of the social media reporting on the eviction notices, but you get people to say, look, I want to be with my wife. I want to, you know, have the sleep in the same bed or sleep next to each other. And a lot of these shelters, you know, you can't do that. You know, they try right. to break it up. And so it's a very, it's a, it's an incredibly complex issue, but I, I think it's one that's also not going to, uh, this is not one that now you can kind of just write off as, oh, it's just, it's just the political cooperative. I think this is going to be a headache for Governor McKee uh, as he heads into his inauguration just a couple of weeks. And on top of that, um, there's other things you don't think of. For instance, do they have, you know, as I like as the article points out, do they have, you know, restroom facilities at the armory? Of course they do, but they're not ADA compliant. That's right. Uh, every store, there's so many stories you read, Dan McCall, where the people have a pet and, you, you know, you can't bring pets into these places. So they don't make it easier. What, what was your, degree you were off, but what was your thought on them? basically crashing into the the tree lighting ceremony it's affected the governor so much that this talkie may move the swearing in ceremony in the convention inside it, it's as if he they just i don't i don't know he's got he's got a target on his back but let's start with the going in they weren't saying they were chanting as trying to do the tree lighting ceremony. Yeah, it was a little a little reminiscent of all those years ago when uh, the teacher shouted down Mayor Lorza, yeah. uh, you know, during his State of the City address uh, uh, back in 2018. Uh, it had a, li- had a little bit of those vibes from what I, from what I saw. I mean, th- the, the hard part about this is, is that uh, uh, doing things like that allows then the governor to believe everything is political, right? So he almost gets to write off the more, you know, I'm going to say like stunts that happen, the more he gets to say, oh, it's just, you know, it's it's actually just my enemies that are against me or, you know, uh, these kind of things. But the problem is, is I I do think it's a little more uh, complex or complicated than that because, again, now he's won. He doesn't have anybody running against him. Right. And you can't just write off everything as, you know, my, my opponents are, are kind of out to get me. Um, this is that uncomfortable thing that he that he's really going to have to deal with. At the same time, look, he, he's right that they need to do something about getting people off the, you know, the steps of the statehouse. Brian Crandall's story, uh, Channel 10 the other yeah. day. It's really important, right? That yep. people are finding needles. They're, oh. you know, that's a place where I think particularly, Crash. you know, I think particularly around, uh, you know, we always think of, of summer months as months where you know people like to get their wedding photos taken, things like that. But in the winter, I mean, the state house is beautiful in the winter, right? Right Light up. It's, uh, you know, people love to come and take a picture if they're. You know, if, if they find their way into Rhode Island, and uh, I think this is a really, you know, a tough situation for that. And again, more than just you know the inconvenience for people who might have to see something they don't like. Again, it's a safety problem. You've got needles out in the state house. Again, Brian Crandall's a trustworthy reporter. He, he, I, I believe every bit of what he reported. I think you've done this too. Um, it, it, it's something that the governor really has to address. And he's, uh, but he, he, once again, I mean, it just feels like he's kind of got this situation where he almost, he almost wants to blame it on his, his political opponents more so than maybe um, uh, the, you know, address the bigger problem. Yeah. I was up there last, last week and I'll tell you at night, 
know, what's intimidating is you don't know if there are people in the tents or not, not right. in the tents. There's a lot of shadows around the state. So suddenly there's like two people behind you. I, I found it kind of, you know, definitely you definitely have to have to be on guard and you don't know. Come on. It's Providence. It's nighttime. You don't know if these are friendly people, if they're not friendly people. I did see a, a lot of the trash. And then I wondered, are these people like just going to the train station every time they have to use the facilities and apparently according to crandall's report they're not doing that which makes right. it even but well, it is it, I, i'll tell you just... it is definitely a hurdle like if i were hey you know we're walking along and you're on a date or with a family and so forth i i'm telling you it's i would not go up in around there because you don't know who these people are that are around you yeah and by the way it's the same concept look I, there's nobody as you know you guys talked about this i've talked about this for years there's nobody who's more of like a pro providence guy than i am but right it's, it's it is absolutely true it's the same concern you have if you're walking you know anywhere downtown through kennedy plaza uh you know in most on many nights right you it's not that you you're not a bad person for having to look over your shoulder and feeling a little bit nervous at times when you do know there's you know activity happening in the plaza in the parks and certainly now you know in some cases outside of a state house where potentially there is you're going to have somebody who might be you know whether they're unstable or they're actually you know seeking to do harm those things are you know incredibly real at the same time look the, the challenge that i think the governor has here is there there is this reality of you know it, it, it is much more it's much more difficult than it sounds to say you know round them all up and throw them in you know into a shelter you can't force them no. into a shelter and i do think you know sometimes that that these these crowds and particularly i think ones who you know if, if you're staying at the state house there is an element of this where you are trying to make a statement right right and yeah. and i think when you're in groups you know you become a little bit more emboldened um and so like even if they're not the activist class right the progressive class but it just you know a handful of people who say well they're not going to do anything to us you know they, they they need to provide us better shelter let's stay you know, uh, kind of in unification, let's say fortified, so to speak. Um, I, I think that's the, the challenge the governor has, uh, the governor has with the folks who, who, you know, who are homeless because they are, that some of them just don't want to go to a shelter unless no. it is the absolute, you know, the coldest day of the year. Even then, right. sometimes you don't want to see that. Uh, and so this is, this is going to be a tricky one, and it's going to be one that he's going to, I think, again, he's going to have this as one of his, you know, the, the issues that he doesn't really want to address uh, for the next, you know, for, through the winter months, probably. Yeah. And before we take a break, Tamika, one thing is, I mean, and again, I talked to so many of them, they, they don't want to go to a shelter. What I mean by that is they want free housing. I don't think the McKee administration have done a good job to, to break it out because they have a lot of their belongings. They don't like to have to carry them around. Sometimes they have a pet. A lot of them have drugs or, you know, or a weapon or, or whatever. They don't want to be separated. What they want is they, they like the Nilo Hotel because then That's they right. could leave all this stuff and you know, you're not all this moving around. I mean, the shelter, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to stay in a shelter. It's loud. You're in the room with other people, all these people making noises. You have all this stuff, this theft. There's, there's problems. There's a lot there, of problems. And there are very, you, there, you, there are very you, real problems. What I was going to say, John, was was the 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 thing about this is that you you've just hit this on the head. And there's look, there's a policy argument from you know certainly you would hear this from kind of the homeless providers and folks like that who say like this is why you you shouldn't have you know restrictions on shelters or on some of these you know this housing right you shouldn't have sober housing because that is a you know an automatic uh you know a, a deterrent in some ways things like that the problem is is that that's a much more complicated much more expensive conversation to be having um and right now i think the governor is in this spot all state people you know state leaders are in this spot of saying you know what, like, we're willing to have that conversation down the line. It's something that needs to be vetted out, you know, with the General Assembly and things like that. We want to provide you options right now. We want you off the steps of the State House. The problem is, is that they're, they're, they're willing to kind of stay, to stay there. Oh, yeah. Um, and so now it's a standoff in some ways. Yeah. Um, one, one more thing, Dan McGowan. I, I spoke with some of the uh, neighbors. There was an encampment. Uh, off of Broad Street, back behind the McDonald's, 
And I, I talked to neighbors. They said every night, first of all, this, granted it was warmer months, but they'd be up till 2 o'clock. People would make a noise till 3 o'clock. There's, there were fights every night. Right. I mean, come on. Some of the people that have either a drinking problem or drug problem, they tend to get loud and they stay up very late and they well, fight amongst I, each I, other, I, by the way. I hate, yeah. to, I hate to say it, but if you don't have anything to look forward to the next yeah. day, right, you're not getting up to go to work necessarily. No. Um and, and so, yeah, you do, you know, this, this is what happens, right? When you have, uh, in a, 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 you know, a population that is in some, in many ways, very unstable. Yeah. You're going to have fighting. You're going to have people, you know, sleeping together. You have all kinds of things <laughs> happening in these right. encampments. Folks, quick break, much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care, Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals, they're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, who is a great piece. You know, she is a talent. Uh, I know you two had worked together. I'm talking about a great piece written about, about Danielle North of WPRI and I posted she is so highly likable she's you know just the same on television as she is off television she's a wonderful individual I think it's a loss for your old station Dan McGowan that she's leaving the mornings on WPRI I couldn't agree more I think it's a huge I think it's a huge loss Danielle North is somebody who you know for the thing the interesting thing about I think television news and my experience in working in it is you know, the, the different audiences for kind of the different anchors and the morning show has a wildly loyal audience and they really look forward to getting up and seeing Danielle. I mean, just very simply, uh, you know, as, as great as, as Pat, as, as the co-anchor Pat Little is, you know, people like Danielle. She's got this, uh, like you said, she's kind of the same off air as she is on air. I always knew her as sort of a little bit of like kind of life of the party uh, person. She's very kind of snarky and just she's got a lot of charm to her. People, she's easy to talk to. She's easy to watch. She's obviously very attractive. All of those things. Um, and you know, when again, I heard she was leaving just last week. I was on vacation, and in my I wrote this in my column today. But I, you know, I, I I thought, oh, she must be going to Boston. Maybe she's going to New York. Her kids are getting a little bit older now. She she has options. Um, and she really talked to me. I'd never seen this side of her before about just how much kind of a lot of the tragedies she's had to cover over the years have really taken their toll. And she told me, you know, just a couple of, just in October when those two officers were killed in, uh, in Bristol, uh, Connecticut, uh, she actually cried on the air. Uh, and she was just kind of lost, uh, by, and I could report, I, I didn't put this in the, um, in the column, but. She had plenty of time left on her contract. This was not a like, you know, end of contract. You're looking for a new job kind of thing. And she just said, look, I'm throwing in the towel here. I'm ready for a change. And she's going to go work in the private sector now. But it's a big loss for, you know, there's an interesting element of this on the reporter side, right, or the journalist side, because I do think people don't quite think enough about, uh, you know, what, particularly you know, anchors who, are, who have to tell you kind of all the worst news all the time, Um uh, you know, what goes through their heads and those kind of things. And then just from the media standpoint, it's a big hole. She's a really talented, visible person. Uh, and Channel 12 is going to have a, a tough time probably uh, replacing her, I think. Yeah. And now this is just my opinion. I think I, I think they they should reshuffle the deck and that she's too valuable to walk out the door. Um, I, I don't know all the 
ins and outs of how people are. But I believe, in my opinion, she's the best anchor they have there. I think she's the most valuable anchor they have there for the listeners, uh, viewers, excuse me. Um, I don't know if that was approached or not. I could see someone want to take a little time off, but that that is a, a big loss. I just wonder if that change of pace she's looking for, that's a grind getting up at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> and, it, it it, you know, some other times have opened. Um I don't know. When someone says they want to change, I wonder if they say maybe we should change your schedule as opposed to complete. Well, and one thing she's not one thing she's not necessarily completely ruling out is the potential that, yeah, maybe maybe it will be something I'll, I'll want to come, to come back to. I do think, you know, you know this from your role. I certainly know this from my role. It's really hard you know, for journalists to not do journalism, right? Uh, and it doesn't matter what form of it is, whether it's radio, print, or, or TV. Uh, you know, I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, we're going to go do something else for a little while. And quite honestly, you get bored. Right? Yeah. There isn't, there isn't anything quite... And there's an element of this, particularly for on-air television people, you go from everybody knowing you and everybody yeah. seeing you to, uh, to that not being the case. Or in, in, in even worse cases... You, you realize everybody's telling you, oh, I love you on television. And you, you start to say, wait, I haven't been on television in two years. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah. So it, it is, you know, there's a little bit of an ego hit that happens to it, too. So, you know, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't rule out, uh, I think, Danielle, potentially at some point coming back. You're right. That two, waking up at 2.30 in the morning, rolling in around 3, 3.30, and then being on air for like five hours straight. Um, it is a grind. It, it's, you know, she's in bed pretty early every night. Uh, she may, you know, she may uh, do do something in the private sector for a little while and maybe she'll think, oh, may, may, you know, maybe an afternoon or the, the evening shows are, are kind of a better route to go. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Yeah. And 12 better be careful. She'll, we will see her again on Channel say, 10. Yeah, Channel 10. Or, or by the way, Channel 6 trying to make moves. So, you know, that yes. would be, talk about a, a splash. If I was... If I were the folks at Channel 6 right now, I'd be saying, hey, you know, what's your non-compete clause look like and when can we talk? Uh, folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan McGowan, I, you didn't write about it yet, but I'm just curious. Any thought on – I was surprised uh, Alana Cerrone is is leaving Governor McKee's office. She she was very accessible during the course of the campaign. That, that was not an easy campaign to, from the primary and then even through the general – uh, for those that don't follow, she had left working for the administration, went over to the campaign side. But the norm is, OK, we just got four years. Your candidate won. Now it's the victory lap. You get to come back to the administration where basically you just got a job for the next four years. So, I mean, I like her. I know she put out that she was not terminated, but that's um. what, what was Dan McGowan's reaction to that? Yeah, well, one thing I would say about Alana Cerrone is she 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 grew up really fast on that campaign, yeah. you know, uh, and and I don't say that as a you know in a negative way. What I mean is, you know, you you she came over, she was at Channel Six, uh, uh, you know, good, was a good reporter there, came over, entered the the administration. That's a hard job to you know to learn on the fly, um, and then on top of it, she had a governor who you know was was pretty hostile towards the media. And, you know, have, watching her sort of navigate that, she was always kind of the voice in the room that said, hey, maybe, you know, maybe you shouldn't always fight with Channel 12 or maybe you should talk to, you know, the Journal or the Globe. Um, you know, she, she tried to be, at least from the inside, you know, a, a little bit of an advocate not for the press, not, not to say the press is right. I'm sure she didn't like lots of the things that were covered uh, about the governor. But she, you know, she had that experience of being of, of being a former reporter who could say, hey, you know, this is what they're saying. This is what they're trying to say. This is that kind of thing. I think that's incredibly valuable uh, for any administration. It's why so many administrations do go out and hire, uh, you know, former reporters that, that having that understanding of you know, what time you should have a press conference. I mean, all those kind of things are things that typically do come from. Um, you know, from the reporters, I was really surprised because I, I thought she was incredibly loyal. She worked really long hours. She, you know, was incredibly stable on yeah. that campaign for a campaign that was pretty unstable for, for a really long time. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see her scoop up. There's lots of jobs out there, right? Mayor Smiley, Mayor-elect Smiley right. is looking for somebody. 
Um, you know, there's, I know there's certainly in the, in other parts of, uh, you know, state government folks are looking, so you'll see her again, but I do think the governor will, will potentially come to regret, uh, kind of allowing her to leave because, uh, she was one of the more valuable people on that staff. She was now she, when she left channel six, she was the anchor with the Lucas. So yep. you kind of get into these set hours, weekends off, kind of free during the, you are free during the day. And then they're doing the six and the 11 well suddenly now if the governor's calling you at eight o'clock on saturday morning you you got to jump into action but on the camp the campaign also dan mcgowan as much as it may sound glamorous but if something goes wrong you're the person standing there he's not going to vent the trooper that's protecting him you're going to feel the wrath and 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 there were some some tough moments on that campaign. The the hang up on them, Eva. That that was yep. a difficult two days to be part of that campaign. I, I was at Rhode Island College that night, the first to beat uh, Rhode Island Public Radio with Ashley Kalis when he was very upset about the tickets right. in the crowd. And that was a really difficult night. And then you had at the very end of the campaign that I I, I mean that Ed Fitzpatrick, you know, the Let's Play Cards yeah. podcast that went off the rails and again that could have been handled a different way i'm still surprised at that because he must have seen the numbers that he was clearly gonna win so that 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 was a difficult time and i think she deserved the time off after the campaign oh she not only did she deserve the time off she deserved the you know the let's get back to maybe more comfortable hours and uh you know the word now look being the governor's press, whether it's secretary or communications director, it's a demanding job. So it was always going to be demanding no matter what. But you're right. I mean, she, I, I think she deserved to uh, to stay. And, and by the way, to to have to say publicly, you know, I wasn't fired. Yeah. You could tell it. This isn't just some, you know, uh, a decision that I'm, I'm moving on to a new new and better job or a new job. Uh, there's there's at least some kind of question about how that has all played out. Um, I feel for her because, again, she was somebody who she had to put up with a lot. And, you know, by the way, you, you, you mentioned one side of it, right? You have to deal with the governor at all hours of the night. The other side of this is you have to deal with reporters all the time. Yes. The number of times I find myself, you know, I, I feel bad about this in hindsight is, you know, you're, you're say Dan McGowan is, is upset with something the governor said or did or, or whatever, you know, uh, he, he, who's the person that mostly gets it is, is somebody like Alana who yeah. you, know, you have to yell at a little bit and, and have fights with and yeah. argue with. Again, it's all part of the game. It's all part of the job. But it is incredibly stressful. I mean, it's it's both sides. It's internal yes. and then it's the external, especially for somebody who's a former reporter, because all of us, you and I probably more than many, you know, we know how to guilt people, right? You were one of us. Come on, tell us yeah. what's happening. Um, and and so that job is incredibly stressful. And again, I think she'll land on her feet. I The, the thing about this is that that another thing for for people out there i mean the glamour the, the most glamorous part of working in government when you do comms when you go from journalism to comms or communications is the money right it, it, the governor's office uh, the campaign is always going to pay almost significantly more than you make you know right. being the anchor at, at channel yes. six and this is why you know, it, you, you don't just get to go into, you know, a, a cushy private sector job where you make, you know, $150,000. The jobs where you could make that much money tend to be in government. Uh, and so and so we'll see where where she lands. Yeah. And, and again, I, I mean, I genuinely like her and I, I know her dad. I I don't know. I know that he obviously didn't enjoy a lot of good press and then starts to blame. But Dan McGowan, before I let you go, I mean, you look at the scoreboard, Tony Silva and Lexi Chris and Dr. Cole Alexander Scott and Tom McDonald. And and now, you know, Alana, after a while, I mean, it's it to me, it's like it's not a matter of if you're going to be tossed under the bus. It's a matter of when you're going to be thrown under the bus. He is certainly, he's a different type of character to work for. But as I said, this is supposed to be the victory lap. Now you just earned a four-year job and that's not going to happen. Dave McGowan, who gets that job, by the way? That's going to be another big question. You know, <laughs> uh, let, me, let me tell you something. It won't be me or Ed Fitzpatrick. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> oh, one last thing before I let you go. What is your reaction to what's playing out with the Providence schools? To me, this is 
a poll. I, I don't I don't even well, I'm not trying to point fingers. I don't like a lot of the reporting on it either. But this business of everything that the union and some of their advocates say seems to end up in print and you know, anonymous things sent. And this just seems like more noise and distraction. And we want Joan Jackson fired and get rid of Infante Green. And uh, to me, this this just seems more antics leading up to the next contract negotiation. I mean, you you you, you watch this play out for long enough, and I've covered the city and the schools for you know really twelve years now, and this happens literally every single time there's a you know there's a contractual fight right and you start and what the union is incredibly successful at is they they you know you find something that is that you're mad at and then you find another thing and another thing and then you mush them all together uh and suddenly you know the journalists and and i've been guilty of this at times over the years and, and sometimes i push back as well but the you know what happens is now you've got, you know, seven examples to show the, you know, the public that this is all chaotic. But again, it's all in, in many ways, it's very kind of created yes. by the union. The thing that people should know out there, you say, well, how come you fall for it if you're a journalist? And it, it's, it's a really good question. It's a fair question. The only thing I could say is on one side, you have the union that it will leak you everything you could possibly ever want as a reporter that is telling you everything the good interesting gossip on the other side you have a pretty tight-lipped you know commissioner or private school district that says you know that says and what do they do they say how come you don't cover you know our honor students or you know things like that and just flat out what's more interesting drama or you know a kid got an a and the, the just the flat truth is the drama is more interesting the problem with it is is that when you do it for long enough and you and i have done it for a very long time it, again it's just on repeat there are legitimate things to criticize about the private right. school taker it hasn't worked there's just flat out but to say that it has completely failed and that it should be given back to the Providence schools is no. to forget that the, the, the one of the major reasons it hasn't worked is the union. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's to me, it's reminiscent of like WWE. You can't take it serious. They just go through the motions. Whoever is in that slot, it doesn't matter who they are. They're going to be the subject of that's who they're going to go after. Deb uh, Gist, so, Ken Wagner, Angelica yeah. Infante Green. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what you know no. what, what race you are. It doesn't no. matter you know. It, it it shows you. It doesn't matter your temperament. By the way, nope. You know, Zero. Ken Wagner was a guy who was as you know the journal. Remember the journal editorial board used to call him weak and timid. Yeah. Yet, yet the journal. Yeah. Yet the teachers union treat hated him just as much as they That's hate right. Fonte Green. Yep. No, uh, it's fill in the blank. It is. And, and the superintendent now, you know, under fire. And after a while. It is a game of attrition. They they wear them down. I'll tell you, a, are... a former superintendent said to me, uh, this is a former Providence superintendent said to me relatively recently, in the last six months, they said, where in the country can you point a union losing to a superintendent or to a commissioner? And it doesn't happen. It, it, it doesn't happen because what <laughs> you wear down the superintendent, yep. you wear down the commissioner, the union always lives. Again, some states you could say it's different, but certainly in Rhode Island, the union lives long beyond uh, the tenures of those leaders. And that's the challenge you've got right now. It is. Folks, each day I uh, start off weekdays with an email and roadmap. It features scoops. It features links to all the news of the day. The good news is it comes for free. Dan McGowan puts it together every morning, which I'm amazed at. I thought it had been uh, put together the night before, but I'm even more impressed by it. And Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind to extend it to everyone that's listening right now. Yeah, and John's right. It's it's not you know not just political season. It's it's all seasons. It's every yeah. every weekday. Uh, scoops analysis today broke the news. Uh, sad news for the Providence Journal. The executive editor is out, laid off by. Uh, uh, you know, by the parent company there. So you wow. get a little bit of news. You get all the links to all the stories that my colleagues um, at Globe Rhode Island are doing. And then you get a rundown of all the good stuff that's happening uh, within the paper broadly. You get the great sports coverage. You know, we had somebody on the ground in Georgia last night. Yeah. Uh, all those kind of things. So send me a blank email. You don't have to write anything in the subject line. Nothing at all. News at globe.com. News at globe.com. I'll sign you up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dave McGowan. Dan, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. All right, talk soon, John. Thanks.
This is the perfect time of year to have some paving done for your home, residential, commercial, seal coating, and patios. Make it letter J, J Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call them today for a free estimate, 401-732-1730. The next couple of months, get your driveway prepared for wintertime. Call J Perry Paving today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. Licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting their clients' needs no matter how big or how small. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving today. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Remember, even asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. Look for them on Facebook and call 401-732-1730. Remember, no one's better to veterans than J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401-732-1730. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, free estimate, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com remain healthy stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland you can also look for on facebook but call her 401-305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Poppin' and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585 diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. 